1: Even today, by current means, we can add another 10 or 20 healthy and happy years to our lives. So we all need to be prepared, not only from health perspective, but also in in terms of the wealth, in terms of our psychological perspective, how we perceive life uh, to live to at least 100 years. So that's now. This is happening today.
0: That's Sergey Young, longevity venture capitalist and author of The Science and Technology of Growing Young, I'm your host, Patrick McGinnis, and this is FOMO Sapiens. When the world's spinning out of control, it can be impossible to know what to do and what to miss out on. That's called FOMO, which is short for fear of missing out. How do I know? Because I coined the term, and I'm the world's first FOMologist. And this is the show where I ask entrepreneurial thinkers, people I call FOMO sapiens, how they live and work with conviction no matter what life throws at them. FOMO. FOMO. Hey there, FOMO Sapiens. Welcome back FOMO. to the show. Today we're going to be talking about something that is very, uh, it's a very FOMO Sapiens topic because we hit on some technology, some VC, some philosophy, some kind of FOMO elements and it's all about life extension. Would you want to live forever? Like the song, you know, there's a song by queen who wants to live forever. And if I could afford the music rights, I'd play it for you right now, but uh, I don't think I'm going to do that too complicated. But I will tell you, I looked up on the internet and I found a survey of 2000 Americans by the wellness website lifetime daily that says that 57% of people say they would not want another hundred years. So in fact, People don't want to live forever. But I think the question is really if you could live healthily and happily to 150 or 200, would you do it? Well, my guest today, his stated goal is to live to 200 years old, and in his new book, The Science and Technology of Growing Young, he explains how that could happen, what it would look like, what is the science and the technology required to do that, and you know, with, is this even a good idea? He also talks about just like how not to die young, which is, I think, kind of good for all of us to think about. So we're going to get into that with Sergey Young, and he's a fascinating guy. I actually met Sergey through my friend Dimitri and his wife, Julia, who are friends from business school and um, they're Russian as is Sergei. And I started talking to him and reading about him and he interviewed me for his book, so I'm in there. And I realized he's a really fascinating guy. He runs a $100 million longevity vision fund, which is one of the few funds that specializes in longevity and helping to accelerate longevity breakthroughs. He is also the development sponsor of the Age Reversal X Prize, which is all about curing aging and age-related diseases. So that is, I mean, he's doing some pretty interesting stuff there. Now I'm going to ask you for two small asks today, one for me, one for Sergey. The, the smallest for me is to please rate and review the podcast. I've had a couple of you who wrote to me and had told me that you had reviewed or rated the podcast and then you read some of the comments. And so I was just thankful that you did that. Thank you for doing that. And please, I can promise it won't extend your life necessarily, but it will make me happy and thus potentially extend my life. Second. Please go and consider pre ordering the book at Sergey's website. That's Sergey S E R G E Y Y O U N G dot com. All right, let's move on to the interview. So when I, when I first met Sergey, we had a really nice chat. He was in Moscow. I was in New York. This is like deep pandemic. We did it on zoom obviously, but, um, he's just such a positive guy. He just exudes sort of goodness. And so we really hit it off. And then we finally got together a little while ago in New York and he was uh, staying at this beautiful hotel that we had lunch at. And, and we just had this really good conversation and in it, he revealed to me, actually, that he had changed his name. His original last name is not Young, but it's sort of like a, a name he has developed, which goes really well, obviously, with what he does for a living. But that is a little unusual. So to start our interview, I asked Sergei to please explain why he changed his name.
1: Look, it's been the biggest psychological experiment in my life. Uh, just a few years ago, I decided to create this persona, Sergei Young. My name is Sergey, but I have a Russian family name. And it was so difficult to do business and uh, promote longevity and digital healthcare, specifically in the U.S. Because one is, once you start this whole Russian thing, uh, the conversation always goes in, in, into political direction. And this is what I wanted to avoid. I, I wanted people to concentrate on like a good things, like making the world a better place. Um bringing an affordable and accessible version of healthcare to all the countries that we can uh, have an impact on. And uh, so I decided, I, I just, I, I literally, I, I think I was on Tony Robbins' seminar and Tony uh, with his uh, voice was saying, I've created this Tony Robbins guy. Oh, so I Googled him. Uh, so apparently his family name was different. And I thought, okay, if, if, if Tony can do that, I can do this as well and i can tell you Patrick, it was the biggest transformation in my life so uh, first 15 20 minutes of every conversation it is about longevity it, it is about future it, it is about things that we can do in healthcare or with the world yeah, overall rather than discussing you know all this political disconnect that uh, russia or some other countries uh, have in the world so it's it's an experiment it's actually a trademark uh, that I'm using for all my
0: longevity projects. That's awesome. I mean, it's one of these things that if you're, if you are not getting the results you need in the conversation, why not? I mean, like actors change their names all the time. You have, you hear all the, like, you know, Natalie Portman's name was like Natalie Herschelag, I think, or something like that. Didn't, didn't really roll off the tongue. So now she changed it. So Sergey, you know, we're going to talk a lot about extending human life today. This is what your new book is about, this is what your work is about, which is, I'm going to be honest with you, like having, I don't know, I, I don't, I mean, I try to be healthier. I never think about extending human life. You do all the time. So why have you devoted your career to this objective?
1: Okay. Um, few things, one, uh, unfortunate reality, but as humans is that we start to develop interest to our own health. And uh, the quality of our life and, and our years. Only after we got a wake-up call. Mm. And for some people, it's, uh, it's been the COVID. And obviously, it was a huge wake-up call for our healthcare system and for all of us. For some of the people, and I do think it's 70 to 80% of people around me, it's significant deterioration of your own health or the health of uh, the people you love. So that's, that was the case with me. Uh, my father got uh, lung cancer back in 2005. He survived, but uh, it took us a lot of money and a lot of uh, emotions and effort and a lot of uh, things in the family to fix to go through this. And he's still, uh, he's still uh, having a problem with the quality of his life. So it's, it was like the biggest wake-up call. Uh, for me. And uh, the second one was uh, very typical for average American or any person from developed uh, country. Uh, I had a a high cholesterol level and I had two options. One was to take statins uh, for the rest of my life. And uh, at this point of time, I thought uh, it was just another 40 years that I need to take medication every day. And the second option was to make a change. And I thought I can, I can, if I can make a change you know, on my own for my own health, I can actually uh, share it uh, with the world. And it, it was so successful. In the course of six months, I, I basically became like a completely different man in terms of my physical and mental health. And I thought uh, if this is so easy, you know, I, I can obviously influence other people to change their life. And then whether we're working on longevity or fighting age-related diseases or extending human life, uh, I think uh, we're all talking about adding more high-quality years to our lives when we are at the state when we are healthy and happy and we can realize our dreams.
0: Tudo bem, meus queridos Sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. Yeah, so for everybody listening, this is sort of your wake up call. I mean, I think we've all we've all had those moments and we've talked about this on the show a bunch, like those life moments where it's just like, whoa, you get sick or something bad happens, and you just you the world, the universe gives you an opportunity to pay attention and you may choose to do that or not, but your point is well taken. Now, the that all that said, you do have, I mean, the book it has sort of this like these kind of headlines out there. And you talk about this idea of the longevity revolution and the idea of the near horizon of longevity, which is to live to 150 and then the sort of the far horizon, which is to live to 200 years old, which I, I, we'll get into later, like whether I want to do that or you want to do that, but just from a tech perspective, like, and from a doability perspective, you know, if people are talking about being able to do this in the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, extend human life. Is that like why is that po- Like, I just help me to believe that that's possible, and what is the tech that we need to get there?
1: Yeah. So um, basically, what has happened? We doubled our lives' average lifespan on Earth uh, in the last hundred years, and 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 we actually, we never had a, like a proper consultation whether we should do it or not. This has just happened. So, and uh, right now, if you if you look at developed world, we an average lifespan is somewhere around eighty years. Um, so this is, um, how far we went in terms of doubling that in the last, uh, century or so, uh, well, the, the funny thing is that the maximum lifespan on earth was always the same it was always 120 years, actually 122 to be precise. This is the longest, uh, lifespan we had on, on record, uh, on Earth, thanks to this beautiful, uh, french woman uh, who died i think back in 1999 uh, at the age of 122 so what we've done so far we were just increasing the average by avoiding early death that's that's exactly the modus operandi exactly the model how we influence that and um well that's why and we will continue to fight age-related diseases like diabetes, uh, cancer, heart disease, neurodegenerative diseases. These are like 80% of death happening after the age of 50. And the average lifespan and health span healthspan will continue to increase. So even today, by current means, we can add another 10 or 20 healthy and happy years to our life. So we all need to be prepared, not only from health perspective, but also in in, in terms of the wealth, in terms of our psychological perspective, how we perceive life uh, to live to at least 100 years. So that's now, this is happening today.
0: In other words, so like, as long as we don't die, as long as we have good medical care, we're like, we take care of ourselves, like we already know people can live to 120. So it's like, if we just keep people from dying, from all the stuff they die from, we're extending human life. And then to take it from 120 to 150, what's the secret there?
1: Human body and mind and and our health is such a complex thing that it's extremely unlikely it's just going to be one solution. It's going to be more than one. So then uh, near Horizon of um, longevity innovation, uh, these are technologies and, and breakthroughs in science which will going be which going to be available to us in the next five, 10, 15 years And this is where we invest through longevity vision fund. This is where a lot of people in the sector in the industry trying to make breakthroughs uh, either from technological or scientific point of view. when people ask me uh, what is my, what is the most promising technologies right or uh, fields of um, medicine which going to be disrupted and will, give us an opportunity to break this barrier i'm i'm actually there's a lot of things happening but i'm super optimistic about three things number one it's about gene editing and gene therapy 20 years ago we were struggling to sequence human genome it was three billion dollar exercise right now you can do a significant part of it like the most relevant part of it uh in uh, just for a couple of hundred dollars and it, it, last year, uh, so many countries and scientists on earth has been able to sequence a uh, uh, genome of uh, COVID-19 uh, virus. And it, it was just a matter of hours and days. And that's why, like, I've just read an article, Moderna vaccine has been developed in the course of two days. So that's like a pace of innovation. And again, 20 years ago, there was dangerous experiments in terms of gene editing using CRISPR technologies is the first and one of the oldest one, like a uh, scissors, scissors which modify our DNA. And it was available for a handful of people, literally, uh, who were um, really in, in the verge of dying. So they had nothing to lose on, on this earth. Right now, if you look at COVID vaccines, uh, majority of them uh, are gene therapies, right? Mm-hmm. Like including Moderna one, which, mm-hmm. which we just used as an example. So we are now, can, can enjoy the field of uh, gene therapy and gene editing. And obviously this will help us to modify and, and recreate what it means to be human. Because we already know 3,000 genes which are responsible for our longevity, for our healthy aging, or even give us an opportunity to reverse aging processes in our body. So that's number one. Number two is about organ regeneration. Think about uh, old car metaphor. We can extend resource of the old car almost endlessly if we will be able to uh, change certain spare parts or even replace the engine. So this will happen with human body. And and actually with human minds, but it's it's a separate far horizon of longevity question. And uh, as Aubrey de Grey, one of the founders of the um, current science about gerontology and and fighting uh, age-related diseases, uh, Aubrey always said that we would need to solve this problem, we would need to change the uh, view on the human body from biological perspective to more engineering perspective. So our ability to replace organs is... um, is very close. In fact, I'm always bringing uh, uh, an example from our portfolio. It's a company called Light Genesis. They're based in Pittsburgh, and they've developed science and technology for us to be able to regrow new organs inside our own body. It's actually in our lymph nodes.
0: So you don't have to do a transplant; it just you simply regrow it. Yeah,
1: so on transplant top of is like super expensive. It's yeah. six hundred to eight hundred thousand uh, for liver. I'm talking about liver transplant. Sure. A lot of people die waiting for liver or heart uh donor uh to be available for them and it's just and and in probably in majority of cases you have certain autoimmune rejection reaction your mm-hmm. body thinks it's a foreign organ it is foreign organ so the, the success rate is not <clears throat> super high uh so what they do in like genesis they they split donor liver in 50 to 70 pieces they use very simple laparoscopic surgery to put it inside your inside your lymph node and then your body in the course of three to six months regrowing like a liver b in your body which which is which is able to support your dysfunctioning liver and that's amazing and uh, when we invested uh, I think it was two years ago I thought it's a sci-fi they just got FDA approval to start human trials and they successfully uh, recruiting uh, patients for these uh, human trials and they start uh, fourth quarter this year so this is not sci-fi and and it's it's going to be more and more opportunities and a lot of amazing entrepreneurs trying to disrupt this whole place and space of organ regeneration and organ replacement and third one I do think that in, in, in five to 10 years uh, from now, we will have longevity in the pill. We will have new category of drugs, which will help us to fight aging and, and aging process inside our body, rather than targeting any particular disease. Because this, uh, you are used to get diabetes, heart disease, cancer, neurogenerative diseases, increase exponentially. Uh, after you turn 40 or 50, depending when, where, uh, where and when your aging uh, process starts. And um, uh, this is happening. We do have a few candidates today. Uh, it's like midformin, the old diabetes drug, or rapamycin. Uh, um, they still has not been approved uh, as uh, longevity drugs. So they target particular disease. So don't go to pharmacy and try to buy them now. Consult with your doctor or wait just five to seven years until uh, they will go through uh, human trials uh, for particular indication of fighting age-related diseases and decreasing mortality uh, from them. And then we we will be able to enjoy longevity and appeal and also uh, bring in artificial intelligence to disrupt and compress this whole drug development cycle, which is like in U.S., uh, for the average drug, it's twelve. it takes 12 years to develop it. And it takes $2.6 billion to develop it uh, simply because of the higher failure rate. I think just bringing artificial intelligence in this whole process uh, would give us an opportunity not only recycle what we have today, the things like metformin, who's been on earth for the last 50 or 60 years, or rapamycin, uh, but also create like a new drug, which will target aging. So this is this like three things from near horizon of longevity, which uh, give me a lot of optimist, uh, optimism about our ability to break the sound barrier of 122 years and live healthy and happy 150 years.
0: Tell me something. So, uh, so, so I'll, I'll buy into this gene editing. You have longevity in a pill. You have organ regeneration. Okay, sounds good. So are there people like, like, I always heard these rumors that like celebrities or like the Elon Musk type people, like these people who have a lot of money, power, whatever connections they already, they have stuff that they're doing, whether it's like human growth hormone or whatever that is, is, is there already, I mean, are there, are the wealthiest, most powerful people on the earth already using these kinds of things? Or is this something that we're all going to kind of come to together?
1: Um, Look, I, I think it's, it's, it's just our default mode, like how we perceive uh, people who have more resources. And, uh, and interestingly enough, my focus and focus of Longevity Vision Fund and focus of the book uh, is to bring affordable and accessible version of longevity to the world. So that's that's very relevant uh, question. I do, I do know a lot of people who experiment with their health, trying to use uh, different interventions which are in very early stage of development or very early stage of approval. And I do think they're more in a biohacking world rather than someone like really rich and who can afford to spend uh, millions of dollars on their life extension. Because what is happening, if you are happy to experiment, you're not taking all the upside. You're also taking all of the risks. And I've seen so many cases when, something is like really promising but then in a few years time apparently it, it has like uh it increase your uh cancer risks so like a side effect so when people do that i i, I don't think i've seen this only in in kind of reach category um so that's one and two i, I don't really advise people to experiment with their health i would rather like you know exercise eat healthy do my annual checkups in the next five to ten years and then enjoy the benefit of the intervention or technology which is completely uh, approved and and without unnecessarily and very risky side effects rather than just r- rush into something like it was the case with stem cells stem cells can be like super important to treat uh particular diseases or particular um difficult health conditions but obviously it's it still hasn't been developed and approved for the mass use for the good reason so i know a lot of people who just like you know cross um the border and go to mexico or uh, some of the islands to do stem cells injection. I, I've never done this. I mean, you can imagine. I've been offered to do this so many times, but
0: <laughs> take me I, with you. Just, we'll do it together. Yeah, just, just
1: Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just thought that there's so many things that we can do with our health today without taking unnecessary risk, and it's actually advice of um, uh, some of the chapters of uh, my book, uh, uh, which is it's super promising. Wait a little bit. We, we're talking about very precious thing, which is our health and our life. Don't experiment.
0: Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. Yeah, and we'll get into, you know, you mentioned like, there there it's not complicated. There's some really basic stuff you can do to not die, and we'll get into yeah. that in a bit. But I do want to talk about... So I got to imagine when I was reading the book, which, which I really enjoy. And like, I don't say the all the time. This is, this has just like a lot of very practical stuff in it. Um, but it's also kind of, it's what my friend Anastasia Seabohm says is future gazing. Um, that's her, that's her FOMO. She invented that concept, which is the idea of looking into the future now. So I'm thinking like, great. So I'm going to lift to 150 just in time for the environment to go to you know, blow up and like the seas overtake the earth and there's like a shortage of water and then we all die. Greta Thunberg is screaming in my ear as we're (laughs) we're all 150 and dying. And so like, it's an interesting question. Just like I have zero FOMO about living in a world where the environment is like consuming the earth and we're all dying like horrible, tragic deaths. So like, how do you square that with this, this longevity? I mean, is the solution just like, well, in the same way, that technology is going to fix human longevity, it's also going to fix the Earth. Or how do you kind of think that through?
1: Yeah, um, well, that's actually that's the biggest problem. And I know a lot of people who actually don't like the idea of extending our health span and lifespan. Uh, depending on the country, it's sixty to seventy-five percent of people actually would hate the idea of life extension, and for the good reason. And as I always say, we have created the science and technology. Um, of extending our life but we haven't created life that we want to extend Mm -hmm. so and I, i just done a tedx talk called morality of immortality and my point is we need to solve enormous amount of ethical problems uh, about the future and, and about the version of the world that we created before we can embrace the science and technology of living radically longer. And that's, that's a big problem. Like Sergey Young or, you know, anyone else couldn't really solve it on his or her own. Um, so that's, that's actually the opportunity for us to, uh, to start a conversation like what will happen in the future when we all will live radically longer uh, what I do know, it's going to be a completely different um, relationship with Mother Nature and with the environment. We would need to take back responsibility and, and, and live with the consequences of our own actions uh, in the uh, environmental uh, field. Uh, we would need to rethink our life because right now our life stages are pretty much set up. But if we're going to be living longer, like what will happen with our marriage? Or what will happen with our career what will happen with our life what's the definition of life can it be several uh, beautiful mini lives uh, how are we gonna go about multi-generational pool or as i as investor I said like portfolio of kids how are we gonna sort it out and uh, uh, and it's, and it's, there's so many things that we need to sort. Uh, and I'm specifically concerned about environment. I'm less concerned about resources or the food. 40 or 45% of the food today in the U.S. goes to waste from supermarkets or uh, from the restaurant. So I, I do think that we have abundance of uh, food, energy, and resources now. We just need to be mindful of what is happening in the waste and uh how we optimize the use of these resources but i'm i'm more concerned about morality of uh of this whole thing and like my my the most interesting problem for me is like us living longer in the future whether we're going to be immortal or living radically longer it's going to be making decision every five to ten years to extend our lifespan and if you say no Today, in the current society, it's considered uh, as plain God or suicide. And it's actually blame as suicide. Or even with that, even if this is going to be acceptable in society, like, will I have the bravery to make this decision? I don't know. So my takeaway is is, uh, in 20 years from now, the biggest obstacles for us living longer is not going to be science not going to be technology it's going to be ethics of today's world
0: i just think about you know what you just said there i just want to repeat it because i thought it was really important which is that it's not about you know do we want to extend life it's about how do we create a life that we want to extend and i think about one of my favorite books when i was a kid which i don't know if you've read sergey but it's called tuck everlasting do you know this book oh, really? tuck everlasting yes oh man it's a movie yes. too if you want to cry turn that one on i watched it on a plane and I was people were turning around because I I don't know. I cry on planes. I think we all do. But anyway, it's a kid's book and it's about these people who live forever. And, you know, it's not that great because they're like, eh, this is a little boring. Everybody we know dies and we're the only ones living. So so it's just an interesting question about how do you create a society that yeah, because like, okay, if you're living in abject poverty somewhere, I mean, and you don't have opportunity, you're oppressed, or you know, all the things that people have to deal with. It's like, okay, do I want another hundred years of this? Probably not. I'm good. So It's a very interesting question. Now I just want to wrap up here with some really practical tips. And what I want to ask from you is you mentioned in the, I just love this. It's so simple in the upfront of the book. You say the best way to extend life is to not die early, which is, I mean, that feels, I mean, it's such an obvious point, but it's a great point. And so number one, I want us to tell just like three simple things that all of us can do to not die and then the other thing is, what is one thing that we all think we should be doing that we actually—that's completely urban legend—that we don't need to do?
1: Okay, so I'll start with the last question. So, the, I think the biggest mistake is uh, we've done so far. We delegated or all, all our health decisions to other parties, like it's big food, it's big pharma, it's regulators, it's healthcare system, who just—and we pretend it's you know our health going to be sorted out by them so i think it's time to take responsibility for our own health and i can tell you as uh, someone who was working on my health for the last seven or eight years this is the biggest uh and most interesting way of discover ourselves and like how uh the world, uh, runs. So that's, uh, that's amazing. So it's time to take responsibility for our own, our own health. Then what we should do, it's not three things, it's five things, but five things that we can do right now. One, do your annual checkup. This is very important. You'll decrease the chances of early death, uh, by five to 10 times, just your most important day every year is not the date of your birth, but date of your annual checkup. So that's one. Second, don't do stupid things like don't smoke. This is minus 10 years from your life. I'm talking about tobacco smoking. Don't take unnecessary risks. Um, Number three is about diet it should be as plant-based as possible you need to decrease the calories that you take in by uh 15 to 25 percent it's almost guaranteed you're going to be extend uh, extending your health span and lifespan by another three to five uh years obviously you take away you know all the sugar drinks it's water it's herbal tea it's coffee and a glass of wine uh once a week or so. Number four is about physical activity. You need, you don't need to run a mar- marathon. Uh, just take your wearable, which will actually become your personalized healthcare device, and literally a couple of years from now, and uh, measure 10,000 steps a day. And number five is about peace of mind. It's about mental health. It's about meditating, sleeping well. My rule is eight hours in the bed, seven hours of sleep, and uh, sharing the best of you uh, with the world. Because people with sense of purpose tend to live longer, healthier, and happier lives.
0: So you don't have to run that marathon. And I did one that was enough. Now what I'll tell you is I just had lunch. <laughs> I had lunch with Sergey in New York. It was awesome, by the way. This is a man who all of us need to learn more about and we ordered cheeseburgers and we each had five beers and no I'm kidding <laughs> we had steamed vegetables and they were delicious and uh and I was on my best behavior with you cuz I'm like I can't eat like junk food in front of this guy
1: yeah 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 you should <laughs> not no you can have like a cheat day every month or every couple of, of weeks but obviously well, I mean we were pretty uh, it was delicious. Became-
0: I, I didn't need the cheeseburger because good vegetables taste better than cheeseburgers if you do it the right yeah. way. That's, that's, yeah, that's I'm
1: always awesome. talking about like a rainbow of vegetables, they like different colors, different taste, and it's uh, you'll rediscover the world of food.
0: All right, the website is SergeyYoung.com. That's S E R G A Y Young.com. You can find Sergey on LinkedIn at Sergey Young and on Facebook and Instagram at Sergey Young two hundred. And the name of the book is The Science and Technology of Growing. Young. Sergey Young, thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks, buddy. Thanks everyone. Bye bye. FOMO
0: Big News. We now have a brand new website, so head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. Also, head over to Spotify where you can find and follow playlists of the best of the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you, so don't be shy. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City.